Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 1. And before we start, I, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it. This is not in my teaching, but I couldn't get out of it in worship. Um, March last year, uh, it looked a lot different. It threw some craziness. And my question for you, uh, are you so marked by the presence of God? Have you so encountered him that regardless of what you walk through in life, it, it doesn't really matter because you're, you're so gripped by him? And this isn't, this isn't a shame thing if you're like, dude, no way, last year was horrible, like nuts. It's okay. I just want you to think about it. Are you so gripped and marked by him? Paul would say in Romans that he was convinced any suffering that we walk through was less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory about to be unveiled. Are you so gripped and marked by him? I, I've been so uh, inspired by the early church recently. Uh, in Bible college, we kind of walked through some of the early church, but I think I'm doing more school right now on my own, just studying and reading through some of the first few centuries, uh, because these people were so marked, so convinced. I mean, they were so convinced with who Jesus was, what he did, and the power that the Holy Spirit had that nothing could shake them. If you haven't read through some of the early church people, man, I, I encourage you to go read through. I'm reading through some of these stories sobbing. I am just wrecked by these people's passion and love for Jesus. And I, I want to dive into Acts chapter 1. We're going to kind of step into a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 uh, as well. But let me kind of set the stage. Jesus has already done what he came to do on earth. He's done ministry. He's healed people. Uh, he's taught people. Uh, he was crucified and resurrected. And he appears to his disciples. He's about to ascend to heaven in a moment in Acts chapter 1. And he's kind of sharing his last words. So I want to read through some of it. How many of you have read the scriptures before, but then you go back and you read it again and you're just like, I had no, I cannot believe that that was there. I missed it. I'm reading through Acts again and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. So Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 4. I'm going to read from the ESV. This is what it says. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I want to jump in this conversation that Jesus is having, and the response is, is so interesting. Jesus starts by saying, and remember, he's about to ascend to heaven. These are some of his last words. 
He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The response of the disciples is so interesting to me. I've, I've always just kind of glossed through it. It's almost as if the disciples are ignoring Jesus, okay? They've walked with him. They know him. This is God in flesh. They've seen amazing things. And Jesus says, hey, you are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I think it would have probably been, you know, normal to be like, hey, can you like unpack that a little bit for us? What does that mean? And it's as if they ignore him. They say, Lord, um, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I actually think we're in a, a very similar season in our conversation with the Lord right now. I hear it all of the time. Lord, is this the season and the time that you are going to restore everything I mean, Lord, I am praying and believing for a political power to begin shaping and bringing America back into your kingdom. Anybody else heard that? It's not a bad prayer. I'm not condemning you if if, if that's what you've prayed. But if that's all that your response is in this season, can I just invite you to consider what Jesus is saying here? Can I actually invite you into more? See, Jesus speaks of of something supernaturally happening. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And immediately, the disciples request something to happen in the natural. They're like, hey, uh, now that you've conquered death, uh, is this the time that you're going to restore the Roman political power back to Israel? Uh, Is this the time that you're going to change and fix everything? Are you going to take care of these antichrist people that are really going to hurt us? Because if you read through some of the early church, man, it's not pretty. I think they fully understood it. And Jesus' response was, it's not for you to know the time or the day. Jesus knew what they were asking for. Because since the beginning, when Israel asked for a king... It it never worked out very well for him. If you've ever read through the Old Testament, there were good kings and bad kings, good kings and bad kings. Some did what was right, some and most really did what was wrong. And generation after generation, we saw kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Even after Jesus in the natural, kingdoms would rise and kingdoms would fall. But Jesus came to release a new order and a new kingdom, and he backs it up with power. He says, it's not for you to know the time or the day, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness. I want to look at this word witness. Now, it's a legal term. It means one who gives public testimony from having knowledge from personal observation or experience. Personal observation or experience. Notice how it doesn't say, but I will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my defendant. Doesn't say that. Or notice how it doesn't say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my warrior. Doesn't say that. It says you will be my witness. I would love to suggest that a lot of us actually live from the place of defendant to the world around us. There's a big difference between a defendant and a witness, especially in the court of law. When we live as defendants, 
Our posture naturally becomes defensive, and we begin relying on things outside of the gospel of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We begin to say things like, God, is this the time? Are you going to shift the political realm so that we might be a light to the world? And we step in as defendants. See, Jesus never asked us to become defendants. No, he calls us to be his witness. A man with encounter will always trump a man with knowledge. Always. And we'll see it in Acts chapter 4 in just a moment. See, the disciples were thinking in the natural. They knew what was coming. They had heard prophecies before. They saw the town. They saw what they did to Jesus. He's about to leave. And the last thing that they say, Jesus says, hey, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, sweet. So are you going to take care of the political thing before you go? Or what's going to happen here? They were so consumed with the natural. Church, we have to understand that Jesus did not come to set us free from the political powers of the time. Some of you really need to hear that. I need to hear this. Jesus did not come to set us free from the political powers of the time. In fact, unfortunately, throughout the scriptures, he tends to use the worst moments in history to display his glory. Jesus came to set us free from the bondage of sin and death so that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit, marked by his presence forever. That is either enough or it's not. And I've had to go back to these basic questions because that's hard for some people because he could. The disciples knew that Jesus could take care of it. That's why they asked. They had seen him Resurrect from the grave. They understood. You could do this. He didn't. He came, from something, he came for something different. Jesus was the one who stood as defendant for you. He's the only one who could do it and win. He's the only one. If you try to live as defendant to the world around us, I promise you, you will lose. It's all throughout history. He's the only one that could stand in your place and win. And when he stood on trial as a defendant before Pilate, do you know how much he said to defend himself? It's a mic drop moment. You should go read it. It's crazy what he says. You know what he says? Absolutely nothing. He says nothing. He didn't defend anything. Why? Because Jesus knew he didn't come for a war in the natural anymore. Now it was something way bigger. He came for the war in the spirit realm. He came so that you and I no longer had to be slaves to sin and death. And some of us have to go back to that idea and say, is this enough or is it not? Because, man, when you're so consumed with the natural and what's right in front of you, and if you don't think that that's shifting, it's really exhausting. It's really tiring. But you, when you realize, man, Jesus actually came so that I could be free from sin and death and I could step into the power of the Holy Spirit and be a witness, and that's where we see cities changed. Go to Acts chapter 4 with me. Acts chapter 4 uh, wrecks me. 
So I'm going to try to get through it, but it's, um, we'll start in verse 1. This is really where we see the disciples step into this witness role, and it's beautiful. Acts chapter 4, it says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priest's family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. It literally says that they were illiterate, uneducated, normal men. And those listening were astonished. Those listening were smarter than any person in our culture today. I promise you. Very educated people. And they were absolutely astonished. Why? Was it because Peter finally found something in the scrolls that brought this revelation and it totally changed their thought? Was it because, man, Peter just sounds like... Like David Mitchell on a Sunday, and he just sounds so nice when he talks. Was it that he like took it by force and he was so passionate they just couldn't even believe it? No. Because they saw that he had been with Jesus. He was marked. He was changed. He had a personal experience and an encounter, and it trumped everything. Knowledge couldn't explain it. There was a crippled man next to him, and he was healed. You would have asked me like 10 years ago what church should look like. I promise you I had this belief. If only we could create an environment for people to feel comfortable, and it would just be so beautiful. And it, maybe we could like serve like the best stuff and the best food. And maybe if we could do this and do that. I, I literally thought maybe that was the thing. Church, if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us at all times, what is the point? Peter was marked. He was changed. He had personal experience, and he was now walking as a witness.
could it be said of you when you talk with people? Man, I think you've been with Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit is all over you. Could it be said of you by your spouse when you're at home? Sometimes I think we make it so crazy. When we get around believers, we got to like celebrate all these powerful, crazy things. And I get it. That's part of it. But like we can see what the fruit of the Spirit is in scriptures. And so if you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, like you're marked by him. The Holy Spirit's flowing through you. So by your spouse, when something crazy happens at home and you respond differently, are they astonished? Because it's like, man, you've been with him. Or what about in your workplace? Are you praying for to the Lord? God, if only you could restore this boss, then maybe I'd be able to walk and be a light to the world around me. Or are you just stepping in as a witness and people are astonished because they can tell you've been with him and you've personally, and I can't deny it, you've personally been with him and it just flows through you. I tend to think, especially when I read early church people, uh, that maybe power only comes to specific people or, you know, maybe they took it with force and it's this crazy thing. Church, I think it actually starts with complete surrender. They asked for something in the natural. I promise you, Peter had no idea what the Holy Spirit looked like when it was coming. Absolutely no idea. But he was willing to say, you know what, I asked for this. I asked for this political power to be restored to Israel again. I have no idea what this is going to look like, but I'm just going to walk into it and move forward. Peter was a common fisherman who struggled with his faith the entire time he was with Jesus. He denies him three times, but he was marked with something that the high priest, go study that in that culture. These guys were insane and they were astonished at this common fisherman because he had the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through him. See, the disciples wanted something to shift in the natural. They asked him right before he ascended to heaven. And what they didn't understand three chapters later was that there were 5,000 people and a crippled man waiting for them to display the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. They had no idea they were so consumed with, was, with what was right in front of them. And Jesus could see something different. No, there's people. I wonder how many people in our city are waiting for the common, everyday, normal people to step in as a witness and display the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder... I know we think it has to be this specific person and, well, Paul went to this school when he was little, or maybe you have to be this. And these people were just normal people, but they were willing to surrender everything, surrender it all, and step into this beautiful thing as a witness. I'd just love to invite you in this season. Maybe you've been so concerned with what's right in front of you or what's happening in the globe, or I have no idea what it is. Maybe you're concerned with your workplace, or you know, maybe it's just if, all the, if only this thing would shift, then maybe this. What if God is just waiting for the normal person to say, hey, I, I, I am so marked by you, and I so desire just to be your witness. Can I invite you into that? 
Stop living as a defendant. It's exhausting. We're just called to point back and be a witness and say, look at what this thing did. Look at the gospel of Jesus. I know it doesn't feel attractive, but man, that's been something that's so gripping me in this season. So will you stand? Let me pray over you. Holy Spirit, even now, Lord, we just ask for such a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Lord, we're so thankful that we don't have to stand as a defendant. Man, what a gift. Thank you for your son. What an absolute gift. Lord, I just ask that you teach us what it looks like to be your people that are so gripped by your presence in Fort Collins. Lord, show us right now what it looks like to be so filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. We desire it. So as a church family, Lord, we just say, please come, Lord. Holy Spirit, rest. Lord, we don't want to just play church. Lord, we so invite the power and the baptism of your Holy Spirit on this house. God, fall fresh. God, we want to see things. We want to see signs and wonders and miracles. And we're so thankful in advance, Lord. We are so excited for the people, Lord, for the the ones that would be crippled, Lord, for those 5,000, like in Acts chapter 4, that would be saved because of a demonstration. So we just say, let it come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We love you. We invite you, God, for the normal, everyday life that we would walk through, Lord. Show us what it looks like to be a people so consumed with your presence. Show us what it looks like to just give it away to other people. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name.